0: How many of you have had a job where the boss or the work environment was not perfect? <laughs> okay, David's about to enter one of those spots. How about, what was bad in your job? What, when you think about the worst, play, the worst thing in your in, job you've ever had, what was the thing, in a couple words, that made it horrible for you? What was the worst part? Poor leadership. I heard politics back there. <laughs> not being appreciated. under appreciation. I used to have a boss on the underappreciation thing. He used to say, one oh boy undoes all the attaboys you got. Never gave an attaboy. So nobody knew what that was like. <laughs> but but uh, I've had some bad bosses and that, that wasn't the worst one of them all. I, I'm not going to mention the one. Uh, well, maybe I will. No, no, I'm not going to. I, I, w- I want to read from uh, this book called A Tale of Three Kings, A Study in Brokenness. And it is a work of fiction, so just be aware that it is a work of fiction, but it's about David. It's about the first three kings of Israel and the school of brokenness or the school that God has to keep his people righteous. The first three kings of Israel in this case are not Saul, David, and Solomon, but Saul, David, and Absalom, David's son, who did reign for a very short time. So here it is. This is a, um, I'm going to pick up just before he's anointed. A few moments later, there's this young man and he's out there and he picks up a young lamb and he says, I am your shepherd to the lamb and God is my shepherd. And so long into the night, he wove a day saga into a song because he was a singer. He hurled hymns at the sky again and again, and he was taught the melody and words to every angel that had ears to hear. And then in turn, they became custodians of the song that he sang and passed it as a healing balm to us. If we move just a little bit forward, um, I want to read this um, We're going to do the text about this a little bit, but David is going to be asked to sing to King Saul. And here it is. David sang to the mad king. Often the music helped the old man a great deal, it seems, and all over the castle when David sang, everyone stopped in the corridors of the king's palace and turned their ears in the directions of the king's chamber and listened and wondered. How did such a young man come in possession of such wonderful music? and words everyone's favorite seemed to be the song that he had taught the that the little lamb had taught him that's why i started back there they loved that song every bit as much as did the angels nonetheless the king was mad and therefore he was jealous or was it the other way around either way the king was threatened by david as kings often do when there's a popular promising young man beneath them and the king also knew as david did that this boy just might have his job someday but when david ascended to the throne but would david ascend to the throne by fair or foul means saul did not know and the question is one of the things that drove the king mad david was caught in a very uncomfortable position however within his circumstances he seemed to grasp a deep understanding of the unfolding drama in which he had been caught. He seemed to understand something that very few of even the wisest men of his day understood, something which is even even in our day when men are wiser still and fewer understand. And what was that? God did not have, but wanted very much to have people who would live in pain for him. God wanted a broken vessel. So I'm gonna say this before we read the text, that there's very little different in, in, in David and Saul's history. They're both very good generals, they're both very good kings, but there is a different spot in there. And as we read this, I want you to be aware that the one thing that's different is how they treat worship of God. That is really the one spot that's different both of them live in a violent age and are people of that age. I'm not going to hide that from you. Matter of fact, as we go on on the servant series of David, you're going to see David makes plenty of his own mistakes. The one mistake David doesn't make that Saul makes is that David doesn't use worship to get the work done. He doesn't use worship as a tool for his daily life. He, um, it's the other way around. His daily life is a life lived in worship. And so let's read. This is from uh, 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now if your Bible says evil, spirit, that's not the word in the Hebrew. I just need you to know that. There's a different word there, but we're often translated that way. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord, that's Saul they're talking to, now command the servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. And so Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a person who can play well and bring them to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, and here's his reputation already known, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent his messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by David to his son Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. And so Saul was refreshed and was well. And the harmful spirit departed. I started this off with the context of how many of us have had a work environment that wasn't perfect. I think you could qualify this as not just perfect. um, You're actually asked to go work for somebody who's not stable. I just want to say that outright. Saul at that point was not stable. And if you had had the presence of the Lord and had displeased him and walked away from him enough and sooner or later he removes his spirit, you probably aren't going to be stable either. I just want you to recognize that. I myself am not as stable without the Lord's presence in my life as I was, as I am with it. So, but here's the thing that... Um, we need to understand that as God enters our world, he's seen as a worker. David has been um, anointed to be king, but he didn't become king right away. He He worked in the palace for a while under difficult circumstances, doing something other than what his anointing was for. Have you ever felt like you were shaped for something really specific in your life, but then you weren't allowed to do it? Anyone? I mean, you were made for something. You're made for this. And then you have to live in the tension of not being able to do it for quite some time. How do you follow God in that spot in your life? How do you you honor your life with God when you're not doing what you felt like you were called to do? Anyone? How do you live in that spot? I complain to him every day. You complain to him every day. And he, and he doesn't walk away from you, does he? He just—he's he, big enough to take the complaint. That's not bad, by the way. Um, how do you live in the other section of your life? where well, you've got this prayer time where you're complaining to God. How long, O oh Lord, do I have to sit in this spot? Well, when you're in that spot in that work environment that isn't awesome, right? We'll just call it that. It's not awesome. I sort of had a boss once that was a little bit like Saul, sort of unstable. You never knew what you were getting from one day to the other. One, she would come in and, and, and would talk like she knew everything that was going on and she would seem competent. And the next day, she wouldn't know the most basic thing about the job. It was like, what happened in between those two days? Um, short term memory loss. You don't, I, you know, we didn't get it, but you couldn't trust her because you never got the same story from her. That's almost worse than having a bad boss that's bad all the time because you know you've got a bad boss. How do you live there? I mean, certainly you can complain to God because he's big enough to handle that. There's, there's a movie that I love where Robert Duvall is playing a, a pastor who's had his church taken from him and, and he's praying at night really loud and the, and the neighbors are complaining <laughs> because he's praying loud. <laughs> Right, so he's not praying, Lord, please just fix this. He's, he's I'm really mad at you, God. This is the thing you called me to do. And, and they call over there, and the, his mother answers the phone on the thing, and she said, well, sometimes when he talks to God, he's a little louder than other times. He'll be done soon and hangs up. <laughs> just wait it out. He'll be, he'll be all right. God can handle that. David had this reputation of being good, and then he was in the bad king's court. Now he was going to be king, and one commentary that I read says that, that the primary let me, let me read this from you. From, from this point forward, one of the primary temptations for David would to be seize, which was to seize the kingship by force to spill blood, to establish God's reign prematurely before it pleased God. Have you ever had that thought? i just make this happen. It doesn't matter what my methodology is. It'd just be good to be following God, and He told me I was going to be in charge of this, so I should just be in charge of it, even though it hasn't happened yet. Well, there's a problem when you're the Lord's anointed and and there's a Lord's anointed ahead of you, and you go, well, we'll just kill the Lord's anointed. Do you know what you've just done? You've given everybody else permission to kill the Lord's anointed. So David somehow understood this, that you honor the kingdom, the king, a little bit, and you don't lift your hand against that because it's going to affect your life later on. You don't seize power in a negative way because then um, you're likely to have it seized from you. That's, that's all over the place. I, I deal with that in counseling all the time when people start relationships on, in, um, in untruthful ways and, un, and not very good ways, and then they complain that the foundation of the relationship they had is not truthful. It's not going to be that way. So it, one of the things I want you to do today is, is start to understand that David is in sort of an unwinnable situation except for one thing he's got room to complain to god and he's got room to serve god in integrity where he's at now we we live in a time where there's a lot of easy pat answers in life and i don't want to give you one of those what i want to say is if you find yourself right now in one of those spots where most of your life you're forced to work in an environment where it's not honoring to god How do you live in that spot? David is going to be our example today for living in that spot and honoring God. Look, he already had a reputation. We read that. Behold, I know a man. And he's strong in valor and he plays this and he's got a reputation and he does all this and he's going to come into the court. And David then coming into Saul's court needs to maintain that reputation and be God's person even when... He's not doing the work he was anointed for, but he's still God's servant in that spot. I I would tell you that we all sort of live in that tension in one or two ways. So the first way we live in that tension right now is we are... Chosen and forgiven and God's person and all that stuff. But do you always feel chosen and forgiven and God's person? Do you always feel like like you're that person? So you live in a tension between what you've heard is the truth, what you may know is the truth, and what you feel is going on in your life. I'm just focusing on... Joni doing this because I know some of the things going on, and we all have those spots in our lives, don't we, where there's the truth of what of what our life is, is for, and then there's the everyday reality a little bit, and I lived in that spot, and I know you live in that spot where we're not, I'm sorry if I didn't want to call you out or anything, but I already called Lloyd out once, so... <laughs> You know, we live in that spot. So that's the first place. Just as a believer in Jesus, we don't live in heaven yet, and yet we're called to live as heaven's ambassadors in a world that we're in. And then sometimes our world tells us the story that we have this church life and we have a business life, and they shouldn't be matched, or they shouldn't be co uh, commingled if you will? Anybody live in that spot where your work environment says, no, you can't talk about that faith thing? I mean, I'll raise my hand for my wife who's a teacher <laughs> and a teacher. And, and and as we live our lives, even sometimes when we're out in the grocery stores, we're told not to be who we are. Just Just keep your head down and don't be noticed, sort of a sort of a tall poppy syndrome. If you stick your head up, you know, they'll cut you down. What I want to say to you is this, that God enters the biblical story as a worker, doesn't he? In the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then it starts talking about creation. That's John in Genesis 1. Behold the Lord was over the earth and it was formless and void and what is the first thing he does he starts speaking he starts working on the earth And our lives are filled our primary our primary work as a believer isn't actually on Sunday most of the time most of your jobs or the places you lived, or the things you're called to, are not Sunday jobs. Mainly because Sunday is one out of seven days, and you have six other days. Or as a book I, I I have in my office talks about the other six days of your faith life. How do you live there and not separate it? I need I need you to hear this, and and this is from Eugene Peterson. the biblical text we're reading is talking about anointing means being given a god a job by god how many of you have a job that you've been given by god to do how many of you see the work that you do as a job you've been given by god or some task you've been given okay i need to tell you this you've been given a job whether or not it's the job that you felt called to initially, but God has given work to everybody that has work or a task to do, and that's a job. And so I'm going to correct you. If you didn't hold up your hand, you're in a job God has given you. Do I have to go? For, I need to read more. We're told, in effect, that there's a job to be done, and we're assigned to do it, and when God anoints us, we can do it. It can be done. God's going to be with us. When we're working well, we're doing good work. We are then, because God's a worker, and and as we skip down in this a little bit, he says we're a little godlike. It isn't much of a step to be thinking of ourselves as gods, but if we're gods, we don't need God, or at the very least, we don't need him very much. The sin of Saul in this story took place in the midst of doing good work. Saul was ruined as God's anointed king in the course of doing God's appointed work because he didn't pay attention to God in the process. Saul's anointing um, is no longer acting because he's not acting out of it. He's not letting it shape his work. David has now been anointed and they're placed side by side. So if you're David in this spot and and you're the servant of the mad king, and we'll just say that, he's not quite mad yet, but it's starting. It's gonna get worse. We'll talk about that as we go. S- sometimes I hate to say this, your work environment might get worse before it gets better. I'm just, you know, being honest about that. And I'm trying to have a more relaxed posture about it because this is a difficult topic that we live in. How is it that we need to live our lives as people that love God in a less than perfect environment? And one of the things I want you to understand today, one of the things I would like you to leave here with today is that you have an anointing and a calling from God to do work. Maybe not, maybe not a specific definition of what that work is, but that work becomes being God's person everywhere you go and letting him shape who you are in those spots. Does that sound like a tough task? How is it that God would shape who you are in every spot you go? And the way I want to do that is, I want to sort of go around the room and let you take two minutes to sort of figure out what God is calling you to, or calling you to be, or calling you how to act, or something. Because there's nobody in this room that isn't called to something. So take a moment, um, take a moment, and and um, cogitate on that. What are you? What are you called to do? When you have it, if you would just make eye contact with me really quick or, or raise your hand, um, I'll know when I can go on, okay? okay. I'll give an example. Um, my wife uh, works in a school district where she can't really talk about her faith. I know you, you do that too. She feels called to that work. To be God's person in that situation. And if you talk to her about it, she'll talk about that. She's felt that for a long period of time in, in her life. I feel called to be a pastor, but, but the main call of my life is to be God's person wherever I'm at. Um, if you see me out and about town, I'm trying to do that there too. The main context of your spiritual life is in your work world. Do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? You spend more time out in the world than you do here on, in the building. Um, even me who works in this building, I spend more time outside the building than inside the building. The main context of my spiritual calling is not in this building or in this room, but in the world, wherever we are. I would like to offer you a chance today to come up and be anointed for the work that God gave you in your head that you're supposed to be doing and to start seeing that. So I have some anointing oil in my pocket and I'm going to give you a chance to come up and be, an, and be anointed. Now, there's two ways you can do that. I can, put a little, I can put a cross on your forehead or I can put a cross right here on your hand if you don't want some oil on your forehead or you feel uncomfortable with that. Um, anointing your hand to do the work. I want to do that. I want to give you a chance to be anointed to do God's work wherever you're at.